Let them put the fear on you Stand and deliver Not a word you heard was true And if there's nothing you can say There may be nothing you can do Oh, there's plenty we can do. You better believe there's plenty we can do. Welcome. Episode number two of our brand new Citizens for Free Speech podcast, Stand and Deliver. My name is Bob France. I'm Patrick Wood, and we're here today with a blockbuster 30 minutes, so full of news. We're just hardly not going to be able to get it all in, but it is an amazing day today. Well, we spent 30 minutes preparing to do this 30 minutes, trying to chop down the number of free speech stories and First Amendment stories that we could have talked about, Pat. We had to, you know, we had to pare that down to get it manageable in this time period. But uh, yeah, you're right. This is a very important time in our, you know, in our country's history as it pertains to our First Amendment rights. It is time for people to stand up and deliver. And I'm telling you, we've never had such egregious attacks on the First Amendment in the history of our nation. It's coming from every which direction, from corporate America, through, from our government, uh, from social media, from big media. Every conceivable part of society is turning against free speech. That's why, we're, that, folks, that is why we are so excited right now. I mean, agitated, right? Not excited. Oh, I can't wait till it happens. No, we're agitated. That's why we say we're it's time to stand and deliver. There's no more being Mr. Nice Guy about that. We need to lay it out like it is no and doubt. say, no, you're not going to destroy free speech in America. Pat, before we get into topic number one of three that we're going to discuss on this second episode of Stand and Deliver, a reminder, become active. Pat's right. I mean, literally, there has been no other time like this ever since we grabbed King George's scepter and smacked him upside the head with it and said, we're out of here. We're free. We're not going to do this anymore. Uh, this is the worst it's been. Uh, and uh, what you need to do is don't just be passive. Be an active participant. Become a member of Citizens for Free Speech. Text the letter CFFS, Citizens for Free Speech. Text CFFS to the short code 313131 on your phone, and you will automatically get a sign up there to become a member of Citizens for Free Speech and join us in this fight for our literal nation's survival. If we lose the First Amendment, we lose the Bill of Rights, we're done. Pat, first one, Michelle Malkin. For those who don't know what happened, Michelle Malkin, noted conservative, author, reporter, television host, uh, pundit, um, she's, she's just brilliant. She's one of the best going and she gave a speech, uh, at an event, a right wing, right, you know, a conservative organization, uh, uh, actually, actually back in November and Pat, she has been a patron of Airbnb, uh, services, which of course is lodging for people who travel. If you don't want to go to a hotel, sometimes you go to an Airbnb. She had her account banned by Airbnb. They said, you know what? You spoke at an event that we don't like with a group that we don't like. And that group, by the way, happens to be on the Southern Poverty Law Center's list of hate groups. And because she was a keynote speaker there, they said, you're no longer welcome here. You can't have an account. And Pat, then they took it to the next step saying, by the way, if your husband wants to travel, he can't stay here either because he had the temerity to marry you. And if he's married to you, we don't want him. This is more than just about one woman or one couple, uh, Pat, this is literally that slippery slope. If it's first Airbnb, when is it hotel chains? You can't stay here. When is it restaurants? You can't eat here. No, we don't have a table for four. We don't like your politics. This is discriminatory, just the same as if it were race or sex or sexual orientation. It's 
ideological discrimination, Pat. And how dangerous is that? Yes. I'm going to point out, by the way, we've dealt with this in our history before. If, um, if Airbnb were to deny her access because she's Asian or black, the country would be in an uproar right now. There would be rioting in the street across the country if she was denied access to Airbnb because she was black. We dealt with this decades ago, this kind of discrimination. It's insane. And it's time for these companies to stop hiding behind, well, we are a private business. You know, we can do, do anything we want. The fact is, no, you can't. There are laws on the books that prevent discrimination. You just can't go nilly-willy and say, I don't like that person because of their ideology. They think a certain way. I, we don't want them here. That's no different than black discrimination was 50 years ago. This is what is so dangerous right now because nobody's recognizing it for what it is. Malkin has just been canceled because of flat-out discrimination. It's wrong, desperately wrong in America. You know, the worst part about it, or one of the many bad things about it, Pat, is she is an Asian-American, and she was called a white supremacist because the organization that she spoke at is, again, and people need to understand what the Southern Poverty Law Center is. The Southern Poverty Law Center is essentially... Uh, one of the most fascist organizations in America, if not the world. They sit there and they are the arbiters of all things uh, ideological. And they will decide if something is a hate group or not based on whether or not it fits in with their far left radical orthodoxy. In truth, the Southern Poverty Law Center is a hate group. But what they've done is they've decided that the group uh, that Michelle Malkin spoke to back in November is a hate group. Therefore, she is not welcome. And, and Pat, what's really you know, important for us to get across on Stand to Deliver is that even if, for the sake of discussion, even if this group was a quote-unquote hate group, are, are we talking about a country that has freedom of speech or not? If she spoke to a group, and I'm not saying she goes to a KKK rally and says, you know, death to, 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 to minorities or anything radical like that, but the point being, since when is it up to an organization like the SPLC and then other businesses to say, we will decide what's hateful and what isn't, what's offensive and what isn't, what's insulting and what isn't, or what's acceptable and what isn't, and we'll allow you to have public accommodations based on our decision. That's right. And it really doesn't matter what the discriminatory factor is. In this case, it's not skin color, it's ideology. And, you know, it's where you, something you've, something you've done or somewhere you've been. And that's, that's being used as the criteria for discrimination. It's no different. It, it is absolutely uh, just unbelievable in America that Airbnb get away with this. And I'll tell you what, all these companies that are saying, well, we're a private company. We can do what we want. We need to hold them to, to their feet to the fire on this because that is not the case. We have laws against this. I remember back when I was a young man, uh, you had uh, uh, lunch counters, for instance, in the South that wouldn't let black people in the door. Or if they did, you had to sit down at the other end of the lunch counter. We know what happened with all of that, it, with that whole thinking. It was absolutely wrong. And we finally overcame that. And we got people said, stop that. doesn't matter what color your skin is. You sit at the lunch counter or you ride in the bus where everybody else rides in the bus. We've dealt with that. And here we, it's come full circle. It's coming back at us now like, a, like an express train. And nobody is, maybe except us, is crying foul. Well, you, you know what it is, Pat. It's, it's 
thought discrimination, right? I mean, yes. you don't think the way we think, therefore you can't be here. I don't know if that's better or worse or the same as skin color discrimination or, or uh, uh, you know, sexual orientation discrimination or any of those kinds of things. But basically it's the thoughts that, in your, that are in your head are different than the thoughts that are in my head about this, that, or the other ideological or political perspective. Therefore, you can't come here. So mm-hmm. whether they can get away with it or not is going to be something that is decided in the courts because Michelle is fighting it. And I want to share this with everybody listening to Stand and Deliver. She has a... Um, Fundly account. Mind you, she's not using GoFundMe. She's using Fundly, which is F-U-N-D-L-Y dot com slash Michelle Fights Airbnb. Now, if you want to participate in this, I'm going to tell you I have no stake in it uh, because, well, I do. And so do you. And that's the point. Michelle has raised hundreds of thousands of dollars through the years, helping other patriots that have been discriminated against and, and, and canceled and so forth. And now she needs us to help her. And the reason why, Pat, is when we do, we are helping ourselves. Because, again, if the SPLC listened to 10 minutes of my radio show, I'm going to agree with 99.9% of the things Michelle Malkin says. You know what they would call me? They would call me a hate group or or the purveyor of a hate show, and I could be the next one to be canceled. Pat, you might be canceled for, for something you write on technocracy.news or even part of your blog on, on citizensforfreespeech.org. You know, so if we don't fight to defend anybody who's being canceled like this, then it could be us the next time. It certainly could. And I'm, I'm also remindful of um, Candace Owens, of course, the black commentator running for office, I believe, right now, um, who has not only been canceled multiple times, but people actually call her a racist. And she's black. She's a black conservative. She's very articulate. And she's been called a white you know, supremacist. A black it's woman not, has been called a white supremacist. You know that. I know. That's absolutely insane. And we just need to throw that out with the bathwater. I mean, it's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. All right, Pat, let's segue now into topic number two on Stand and Deliver here. And this is the one I want to let you run with because you wrote and posted a big article with some commentary about this on your other website, which is technocracy.news. Um Tell us about the United States federal government under the Biden administration targeting free speech, that with which for which we stand as citizens for free speech advocates. Free speech is now being considered by the Biden administration as domestic terrorism. What's going on here? Well, I, again, you just you shake your head and you wonder how how much worse can it get the. Um, uh, we have a connection here with the SPLC again, Southern Poverty Law Center, by the way, because they have gotten very close over the years with the uh, Department of Homeland Security, and they've been, uh, you know, advising the DHS on uh, domestic terrorism, which they claim to be experts on. They're not, but they do. And um, so this bulletin, official document, came out of uh, the Homeland Security just um, four or five days ago, and it's called. The title, Summary of Terrorism Threat to the U.S. Homeland. Straight out, straight up attacking free speech. And I'm, I have, to, you know, it's unbelievable. I have to read just a couple of quotes from this. Yeah, please. It talks about, it talks about uh, threat actors. That would be us, uh, they, that we seek to exacerbate societal friction to sow discord and undermine public trust in government institutions 
to encourage unrest, which could potentially inspire acts of violence. Have there been any acts of violence? No, but it potentially could, they said, so we better be on our guard. It goes on to say, the proliferation of false or misleading narratives, which so discord or undermine public trust in U.S. government institutions, this means if you say anything that does not agree with the government narrative on everything, you now are in that category of being a domestic terrorist because you don't support the government position. It goes on. There's several other quotes like that. It's, it just blows your mind. It says, uh, the, the last quote, I love it because it's really so pointed. It says, some domestic violent extremists have continued to advocate for violence in response to false or misleading narratives about unsubstantiated election fraud. That really nails it down to a narrow group. There's other groups that are in, in here also, especially the vaccine group. But, okay, people, people want to talk about election fraud, but they say it's unsubstantiated. So you talk about that. You're in that category of being a domestic terrorist. Yeah. This is criminalization of an this, entire segment of society by our own government. Well, more, more than an entire segment of our society, it's literally the criminalization of our society because we yeah. are a society that engages in free speech, debate, dialogue, arguments even. And we're allowed to do that. In fact, we are encouraged to do that because if we literally muzzle and censor ourselves from having arguments, debates, discussions, and so on and so forth, we are not a free nation. And that's exactly what this, this, this grand republic that was gifted to us was supposed to be all about. So uh, we need to be kind of clear about some of the things that they're talking about. The quotes that you just read from the summary of terrorism threat to the United States homeland, they're talking about a couple of very specific things. They're talking about COVID-19, forced vaccination or profit shots, as I call them. They're talking about mask mandates. They're talking about, generally speaking, COVID protocols. That if you are a person who publicly advocates online or in other public forums for a, for a, a position that is contrary to that of the accepted government-endorsed um, medical and scientific orthodoxy or narrative here, they are going to consider you a purveyor of false or misleading information. And thus, somebody who could be um, fomenting an uprising against the government. That's what makes us a threat to the U.S. homeland. If you are saying anything about the vaccines have huge risks, uh, it, it, you know, it's untested, we don't know what the long-term effects are going to be, blah, blah, blah. If you do any of those things, they're going to consider you a threat to public harm. Uh, to, excuse me, a threat to the public health. And thus, potentially, somebody who is, is, is doing public harm. And then you brought it up a moment ago, too, about, you know, the election narrative. Now, you don't have to agree that Donald Trump had the election stolen. You don't have to agree that, no, it was perfectly on the up and up. If you have a discussion with somebody and you make the argument that the election can't be trusted, you are now, once again, a purveyor of misinformation and thus a threat to the homeland of the United States, somebody that the government will consider a potential domestic terrorist. So, Pat, whether it's COVID, whether it's, uh, you know, whether it's, you know, the election and whether or not it was on the up and up, whether everything went hunky-dory, 
there used to be a time when we would all be able to express our viewpoints on those things without fear of government, uh, you know, crackdown, spying, uh, targeting. And those days are over, at least in the days of this particular administration. Those yeah. days are over because we can't say those things freely anymore. They are over. And we recently released uh, a brochure at CFFS called Propaganda and What You Can Do About It. This is the remedy to this information. I, I have to tell people, understand what propaganda is. Once you do, you will never again be suckered into what propaganda really is. Here's what the Homeland Security says that the, that we should do. This is the stay informed and prepared section of their uh, the summary of their whole document. It says, keep yourself safe online and maintain digital and media literacy to recognize and build resilience to false or misleading narratives. <laughs> and of course, that would mean every narrative that isn't their narrative, right? Be right. careful, people. Be resilient bounce back from those evil doers out there that are saying things that you don't agree with or that we don't agree with. And Pat, Pat, since when does one group of people, particularly the government, get to decide what's false and misleading? They, they don't. They don't. This is the problem. In their mind, they have made a huge mistake. They are not the country. The government is not the country. It's the government. We are the We are the, the country, right? People, citizens, states, cities, counties, we are the country. They are not the country, and they don't get to determine what the exclusive narrative is going to be, especially when it's so, in many cases, just so blatantly filled with its own measure of misinformation and disinformation. You know, Pat, just to kind of wrap this one, we could do 10 episodes of Stand and Deliver on this subject because it's that deep and it's that important, but just to kind of just to kind of wrap this, there are career scientists, doctors, medical professionals, immunologists, virologists who have long been considered the at the forefront of their particular specialty. And prior to COVID-19 coming into play after its creation in that Wuhan laboratory, these people's career had just never, ever hit a bump in the road. Since COVID-19 came, came, uh, you know, became a worldwide pandemic, and since Dr. Fauci decided everything that needs to be decided about this, all of those aforementioned experts, researchers, medical professionals are now considered a joke. Though Their lifetime's work, which has never been called into question, is now all out the window because somebody decided that Dr. Fauci and a couple of other people like him, Francis Collins, are the only ones that know immunology, virology, and epidemiology. They're the only ones to listen to. And anybody that challenges their points of view are not only are they, you know, the clueless pseudoscientists, but they're also now domestic terrorists. Think about that for just a second. People whose careers were terrific, now they are not only considered to be, you know, butchers in the world of science, they're also considered by the federal government to be purveyors of misinformation and thus a threat to the homeland. They are now domestic terrorists, according to the federal government. That's, that's, right. a, it, that's a staggering thing for people to think about. It is. And the First Amendment starts out with Congress shall make no law. We've dealt with that before. And what, well, what does that mean? In this case, Congress is not making a law to, to suppress free speech, but the administration itself now, outside of Congress, the administration is making rules and regulations and turning 
the law enforcement capability of the federal government against the people and directly against free speech in particular. That's far worse than the Congress doing it. It if is. Congress violated that and and passed the law, you know, limiting our speech. It's it's one thing. At least those are you know legislators that we elected. But for one person to do it by elected uh, executive order or worse yet, Pat, a bureaucrat, an unelected bureaucrat like Fauci or Collins or or CDC directors to have this much power over the people to have regular Americans declared domestic terrorists and threats to the safety and security right. of the homeland. By unelected officials like this, it's a bridge beyond too far. Beyond. And let me just throw in another pitch. If uh, if you, dear listener, are sick and tired of this kind of stuff and you're ready to stand and deliver, that is, you're stand up and you're going to give them the goods, text CFFS to 313131 right now. You'll get a link back. You can sign up and stand with us as we fight for free speech and the First Amendment in America. Amen to that. Pat, our third and final topic for today, Stand and Deliver. We're going to talk about masks and the forced masking, well, specifically of children, but we, we could probably talk about this in, in all aspects when, when it comes to forced face masking since this pandemic uh, took hold. Um, and let's talk about legislators since we were just talking about this. This is an amazing thing. In the state of Virginia, the new governor there, Glenn Youngkin, signed an executive order a couple of weeks back. Uh, which banned the mandating of masks in Virginia schools. Didn't say kids couldn't wear them or teachers or anybody else, saying it's up to parents to decide whether you want to wear masks, which is reasonable and, and, and uh, you know, in keeping with, with American tradition of, of, of liberty. But so many in the educational movement, they are far left-wing, big government, do-what-we-say, tyrannical radicals, uh, school officials have ignored, literally brazenly defying Glenn Youngkin's orders. And that has forced a Virginia legislator to take action. The na his name is Chap Peterson. He's a senator in the Virginia General Assembly. And he is sponsoring a bill um, to, to end the forced masking of children, as he calls it. And Pat, this is where it comes into our world. He's, he says that forced masking of children is a First Amendment violation. His argument is that the masks are not health-related and doctors and researchers have admitted as much, particularly in recent months. But the masks are not about health. Masking now has become a political statement. Quote, the decision to wear a mask in public when there is little, so little correlation with public health makes it a de facto political decision. In other words, by wearing a mask in a public setting, the wearer is able to communicate a political message. For example, I care about others or I voted for Biden. You are now forcing children to make a political statement that they and their parents may not believe. That's forced speech. That's compelled speech. And Patrick Wood, you know that violates the First Amendment as much as suppressed speech would. Oh, my, it does. And, you know, I like the comparison that the right has a, uh, a visible symbol that you wear on your head. It's a red hat, and it says M-A-G-A -A on, the, on the top. This is a symbol of the right wing now, the MAGA hat, Make America Great Again. What this is, ha what's happened with these face masks now is they have become the de facto symbol of the left. 
So you have the left wearing face mask and you have the right wearing mega hats, both of which have now become political symbols. Imagine what would happen in a school if a, a, if a, a school supervisor administrator said, okay, kids, from now on, if you don't come to school with a MAGA hat on, you just go home and get one or whatever, or you're not coming on campus. Think of the outroar, the uproar that would, that would happen. They would lynch some person, such a person for saying something like that. And yet they have no problem in saying, children, you must wear a face mask because it is politically correct to do so. So you have to do it. You know, Pat, um, we are putting out a press release because we want to get the word out about this to uh, all of the media outlets in the country uh, here at CFFS about this. It's extraordinarily important to understand here what this particular senator is saying. He is saying that this mask doesn't do anything. The CDC has admitted that cloth masks and those surgical masks, you know, the ones that come in the box that says on the side of the box, this mask does not prevent transmission of coronavirus. Yeah, that's the one. They have admitted as much now that these are useless when it comes to this. So since they are still being required in, in schools and in states across the country, not all of them, of course, but in many, um, now it's time to say why. And the answer is exactly that. This is um, a situation in which politics is driving the decision. I am identifying myself as being you know, a, a liberal uh, a Biden voter, a supporter of big government decisions on what we do with our bodies, because I'm wearing a mask. And if I show up with a with a with a bare face, I am now acknowledging that I am a free thinker and a more conservative minded individual. It has absolutely become political. And since there's no uh, health or scientific basis to wear them, making kids wear them now is making political statements that, of course, you know their parents may not want to make. So. Uh, it's one, th and, and the good news, Pat, Pat and, and you, you and I just talked about this before we uh, came on to, to to talk on Stand in the Liver. Um, he's got support. Chap Peterson in Virginia. They had a vote earlier this week, and by a twenty-nine to nine vote, all Republicans and about half of the Democrats in the Virginia Senate voted Senate voted to pass this bill that declares forced masking to be a political statement and thus a First Amendment violation. So that's a great sign, but the question is, is when does it go to the other 49 states? Well, this would be an encouragement to the other 49 states to start thinking about this because there are still many states in the same position where the education uh, hierarchy is rebelling against everything that, you know, that anybody would say, the governor or legislature, whatever, they're just trying to just say, stick it and just do what they want to do. But they need to get this message here. We're, the people are coming for them. They're not going to tolerate it anymore. The angry mama bears around our country are just fed up with this kind of stuff. And they're not going to, you know, I remember the, the, the movie, the network from, <clears throat> from years ago, I think it was in the seventies where, where this, uh, this, this broadcaster gets outed from, uh, you know, his position as head, head honcho newscaster. And he goes on the air and it just goes kind of crazy. He has a meltdown and he says, you all need to stand up. And you need to go to your window and open your window and you need to yell out your window. I'm mad as hell. and I'm not going to take it anymore. Well, this is kind of where America is right now, honestly, especially with relation to our children and to this whole COVID narrative. And so it doesn't really matter what you believe. You know, if you want to wear a mask, wear a mask. That's fine. If you want to get vaccinated, go do that. That's your right. 
But you cannot force yourself on the rest of society to do what you think is right. It's, you need to leave it up to them. It's not a group think yeah. in America. We, and it is it's become, individual choice. It has become virtue signaling, too, for so many, which, again, yeah. is a kind of a political statement. Um, you know, it's interesting because, you know, and we're just about done here, but um, this particular state senator in Virginia is recognizing the political nature of this right now. But just super quick. Um, this was recognized a year ago, last June, in June of 21, uh, 2021. David Camioner, who is a contributing editor for LifeZet magazine, wrote this last June. From day one of his presidency, Biden wore masks in absurd situations that had nothing to do with science. We were told he was just setting a good example. He wasn't. He was setting a paranoid and cultish example. The example he set was that wearing a mask showed that you cared and that you were a good person. No wonder so many people now fear taking off the mask in case they look like a Republican or, God forbid, a Trump supporter. The blue mask became the red MAGA hat of the left. So, Pat, the people have known this is what they're doing long before the C CDC finally said these masks don't do any good scientifically or from a health standpoint. Exactly. And, you know, there's no more we can say about this. I'll tell you, I want to, again, do a little shameless promotion for CFFS. Folks, you need to come and stand with us. We want you to stand with us. doesn't cost anything to join. Text the letters CFFS to 313131. You get a link back immediately. You can just join up with us. We have training available to people that will teach you how to communicate in the civic arena. We have a number of, act of advocacy items available for you to engage your, your congressmen, your senators, and so on at a state level, national level, and so on. Uh, we, just, we got tremendous stuff going on at CFFS. We want to be your go-to place for the First Amendment and for free speech in America. And, and we need you. We need you desperately to stand with us. The more of us there are, the stronger our advocacy and our activism becomes. So that that's what Amen. it's all about. That's why we say stand and deliver. It's time for all of us to do that. That's going to do it for episode number two of Stand and Deliver. I'm Bob France. I'm Patrick Wood. We'll Thanks. see you next week. Thanks for being with us. Thanks.